So when we last left Sophie and the BFG, the giants were running off to eat a load of children in England, and that just isn't on as far as Sophie's concerned. She just had it with them. <laughs> she looked up to the BFG, narrowed her eyes. Oh, hell no, she said. <laughs> she didn't. She was English, but you know. Sophie, obviously, a lot more optimistic. She says, you know, we just need an adult who can back us up. Can you think of an adult who would be able to find some way of stopping these giants? There's only one name that springs to mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jet from Gladiators, right? Hello and welcome to Shark Liver Oil. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. And today we are doing the second part of our read-through of The BFG by Roald Dahl. The BFG, Dave, it doesn't get bigger, does it? doesn't get it certainly not whilst remaining friendly exactly so you you've probably if you haven't then go back and listen to it but you've probably already listened to the first part of this um go and do your homework first otherwise (laughs) there's nothing for you here yeah well we read as far as uh the great plan which is about halfway through the book so we're going to do the rest of it today and it's uh well it's a it's a wild ride dave isn't it yeah it's good stuff it's uh, it's been a roller coaster ride. It's been you know there's been there's been ups, there's been downs, there's been horrifying vegetables. Um, I can only imagine where we're going next. Yeah, uh, we're also going to so we're doing the rest of the book today, and then the third episode on this next week, we're going to have a look at the film which has just come out, and also I think maybe discuss some of our favourite Roldal books as well, other Roldal books, um, and we'd like you to get involved in that as well. So if you want to put forward your own. Favourite Roald Dahl book, might be the BFG, might be something else, then uh, just email it to sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. That's sharkliveroilpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can get us on Twitter at sharkliveroil, as ever. But yeah, but in the meantime, we will move on to the rest of the book. So, part two. So, the great plan. So, when we last left uh, Sophie and the BFG, the giants were running off to eat a load of children in England and that just isn't on as far as Sophie's concerned. She just had it with them. <laughs> she, 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 she looked up to the BFG, narrowed her eyes. Oh, hell no, she said. <laughs> she didn't. She was English, but you know. Yeah, well, the giants, the BFG is quite resigned. He's like, oh, we can't stop them. Boys, me. It's all terrible. And... Um, <laughs> He's not a go-getting BFG, this lad, is he? He's a big, big, friendly, passive giant. Yeah, life's sort of kicked all the can-do spirit out of him. So he's um. But Sophie's Sophie, obviously, a lot younger, a lot more optimistic. She says, "You know, we just need it. We just need an adult who can back us up. Can you think of an adult who would be able to back up and believe and find some way of stopping these giants?" Well. There's only one name that springs to mind, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jet from Gladiators, right? Yeah, but she was not available, so it's the <laughs> Queen of England! Oh, the Queen! Everybody's second choice in that context, I think. Yeah, so um, apparently the flesh Peter has been quite keen to sort of roam around the palace eating loads of sort of royalty. But the fact that the guards are there with the massive, with the massive, yeah. it'll upset his stomach though, won't he, Matt? Do you know why? Do you know why? They're, they're very rich food. Very. Rich. Oh come on! Hey! Oh yes! 
I'm loving that. <laughs> Could not resist it. Sorry. There are some days you have to take the most obvious joke available to you. <laughs> yeah, the flesh on Peter says he's, he's a bit. He doesn't want to go there because there's all those guards knocking about the beef eaters, and yeah. they have the massive hats on, and he thinks they'll be quite horrible to eat. So that's that's what's protecting the queen. That's, that's why they amazing. wear those fairy. That's why they wear those fairy hats. That's why they wear those bloody stupid hats. Yes. Always wonders. <laughs> it's giant repellent. That's what's on the hats. So um, so yeah. So, but they think you know what. We could get the, if we get the Queen on side, then we get the armed forces on side, we'll bypass Parliament, and then we can go and, you know, sort out the dragons, sort out the dragons, sort out the giants. So- <laughs> sort out the insert bad guys here. <laughs> yeah, still on Game of Thrones, isn't it, then? So- <laughs> That's amazing. Sort out the, what type of zombie is it this time? <laughs> so they, um, but obviously there's only one problem here. How do you get the Queen to believe that, a, there are giants knocking about, and B, they're all eating your subjects. Well, they've got a, a cunning plan. They're going to make her dream it, and then when she wakes up, she'll dream, also dream the fact that dream that these giants are eating people, and then dream that there's a little girl sitting on a windowsill, and then when she wakes up, Sophie will be sitting there, so she can say it's not a dream. So quite a good idea, this, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit... It's taken an interesting turn towards what we'd have to describe as inception territory here, hasn't it? Like, <laughs> and with, with a lot more elegance as well, you have to say. I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan, but there's no dreams within dreams here. There's no point at which Sophie turns to the BFG and goes, wait, whose dream are we in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the children's version of Inception, you're right. This is great. Yeah. Like, it's fantastic yeah. as well. And I bet you, I bet you, if you ask Christopher Nolan, he'd tell you that it was something to do with flipping... Flipping the collective subconscious or, you know, Jungian psychological dynamics. And we all know, we all know that it's based on the flipping BFG. Yeah. Chris. We all know, and we all know that the way you get these dreams is you mix a load of other ones. And this is what we, we sort of read about happening now, which I really enjoyed this bit. He's, he's pouring all these different dreams into a jar and sort of whisking them together to, to, to make the sort of custom-made dream that he's going to give to the Queen. It's quite unusual. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, it's an interesting idea, but it's it's not the only time in Roald Dahl's canon. Uh, we'll, I will do this next week, I would imagine, where um, mixing together mind-altering substances is treated as an appropriate kind of uh, <laughs> plot twist for a children's book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the, so they've got the dream, and also these dreams are sort of um, they're like little creatures, aren't they themselves? And it is whisking them all together. Sophie's like, is it? Isn't that? Isn't that bad for them? He's like, no, they love it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it comes Don't from an era where, it. when somebody said that, you'd believe them instead of going, no, we're going to find out. It's going to be a Huffington Post article about this in the next two weeks, telling us how it's all wrong and it's horrible for them. Yeah. Is this farm assured? Is it? Is it EPA protected? What is it? Come on. Is it cruel? It's fine. They love it. They love a bit of whisking. So anyway, creates this dream. <laughs> Uh, but there's another problem, of course, and this is the Queen is guarded. The Buckingham Palace has guards. You can't get in easily. Right. So what are they going to do? Well, the good news, Dave, is all the guards just knock about around the front. So if you go around the back, you can just climb over. <laughs> Don't try this in real life. It's not true. I assume it's not true. No, no, no. Do you know what, Matt? <laughs> it, at the time that this book was published, it absolutely was. Really? Do, have well, you in ever 1982? Called, yeah, called Michael Fagan. You ever hear of this guy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Fagan. 
who in 1982 in July broke into Buckingham Palace and walked into the Queen's bedroom and just basically sort of sat there going, hello, I'm in your bedroom now. No. Don't really know what to do with myself. It happened. It happened. This guy, he was, he was, he was you know, a uh, troubled guy. And um, he, he climbed up the wall. There was no CCTV. He set off an alarm. The police thought it was a false alarm. They were like, oh, the alarm system's acting up again. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> Snuck past three different layers of guards with dogs and ended up in Her Majesty's bedroom of all the bedrooms in the whole of Buckingham Palace. Absolutely true. It happened. Look it up. Imagine that policeman's conversation with his boss. Surely the the alarm went off. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, it's been playing up recently. That's what he'd do, wouldn't he? He'd be like, yeah, played up again. We were pretty sure. Look, it's in the log and everything. Alarm playing up. Yeah, well, there. well, I stand corrected. So this this was apparently up until <laughs> the mid eighties standard Buckingham Palace practice to send all the guards to the front of the building. This is a complete. I mean, I, in all seriousness, though, these days if you published a book with this plotline and then it happened, it would it would crucify your book, wouldn't it? Mm. Nobody would buy the thing. It would be it would become the children's book that inspired. The dangerous maniac that climbed into the Queen's bedroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so so that's how they're going to get in anyway. They're going to do the, what was the guy called? Michael Fagan. They're going to do the Michael Fagan technique to get in. So that's going to be the plan. I hope it, it that's definitely his name, yeah? We're that not, is. We're not libelous. <laughs> and if your name is Michael Fagan and this doesn't apply to you. <laughs> yeah. Please get in touch with us via our lawyers. <laughs> Other Michael Fagans are available. Other <laughs> Michael Fagans are available. No, uh, the Michael Fagan incident in 1982. <laughs> I can't actually find out whether the book came out before the incident or after the incident. But Yeah. So so the um, the, the next chapter we've already got into a bit. This is mixing the dream. So he, he gets his bottles down, mixes them all together. Uh, the bubbles of discarded bits of dream sort of rise out of the... Uh, Rise out of the jar as well. I mean, it's all a bit sort of. Well, he actually says the BFG dreams is full of mystery and magic. Do not try to understand them. That's pretty good advice. Let's not try and get to the mechanics of how this is working. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, there's another there's another moment a little bit towards the end of the book where if you were being cynical and feeling like you were going to be a destroyer of dreams like me, um, you notice Roald Dahl basically going, "Don't think about the plot too much." Don't, <laughs> It, this definitely still works. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, once this dream's created, it's turned into a terrible nightmare. So it's banging against the jar and trying to get out uh, because, obviously, it's just not a pleasant dream, this one. Mm. A lot of kids being sort of eaten by giants. So the uh, Sophie climbs up and sort of climbs into the giant's ear. To sort of, that's where she's going to travel. And then the giant sets off. What do you think about that? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, I, I had trouble with this until until I got the the um, the fruit of Quentin Blake's genius to show me that these are actually like prehensile ears, basically. Yeah. Like at the end, brilliantly at the end of the the edition that I've got, the Kindle edition that I've got, there are two things. One is the worst quiz in the history of bad children's quizzes, which I will rant about at the end of this. But the mm. other is a Quentin Blake's guide to how to draw the BFG's ears, and he actually shows them being like 
like like a monkey's tail, basically. Like you can bend them down and put them sideways and stuff. Because yeah, I originally yeah. thought in this segment that he was the whole thing was going to take place with the BFG running with his head on his side, like trying to you know when you've had like eardrops or something, you've got to keep them in there for twenty minutes, <laughs> just walking around like, but galloping and leaping transcontinental boundaries with a girl in his ear. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's first-class air travel, isn't it? As they take the journey to London. <laughs> you be honest. When you came up with that, you put down the book and walked away and had a drink and said, "Today's work <laughs> is done." <laughs> it is though, because she's like she's she's laying out. She's got the extra leg room. She's stretched out, and it, it feels like it's the only way to travel. This, the way it's described, it's. I mean, yeah. if I could sort of travel BFG class, I'd probably do that. <laughs> on long journey. BFG, the world's favourite earline. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I like it. Hey. Yeah, so, so the, the giant, as the BFG is making his way to England, the, the other giants are galloping back with their bellies full, and you see uh. he sees them sort of running across the landscape. That was quite a quite a sort of uh, very striking image. Um, the BFG glides through the shadows through London. You get as far as Hyde Park and it looks like he, he thinks he's lost. He's like, I'm in the countryside again. I don't know how, I've, how this has happened because it's so big, Hyde Park. <laughs> um, but then they finally get to Buckingham Palace, a quick jump over the wall and Fagan style and they're in. <laughs> and, and there they are. Now, at this point, Matt, it might be interesting to to revisit what Michael Fagan did at this moment. Um, So he broke in, spent the next half an hour eating cheddar cheese and crackers and just sort of wandering around, really. Had, had a look at the royal portraits and um, uh, had a look at a few of uh, Prince William's birthday presents. <laughs> that's, what that's true. That's absolutely that's what happened. I am reading here from Wikipedia, which is trustworthy above all things. <laughs> the, the thing is, this these two tales are interchangeable. You could have placed that description in the middle of the BFG and I wouldn't have thought it was any different. <laughs> Sophie wandered around and ate cheese for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, there you go. Well, fine. Yeah. So we're at the palace now. And they've got to find the Queen's bedroom, of course. So um, they do that. And um, the BFG, luckily, the Queen and, you know, her other half are, I assume, in separate beds at the moment. So there's no danger of blowing the dream to the wrong person <laughs> can you imagine that dream had gone into into um what's your oh he's not gonna fucking sue me is he if that dream had gone into the duke of edinburgh's ear he would have woken up screaming uh less than politically correct sentiments about the giants that he'd seen <laughs> yeah. anyway so he blows the dream into the room um and the bfg leaves uh, Sophie on the windowsill. She gives his cheek a kiss, and it's quite sad that he's sort of going away and leaving her on her own. Yeah. This is another one of those ones where you have to try and get in, like imagine reading this as a ch- as a child. Yeah, and it's having your big sort of protector who you've yeah. come to really love and admire just sort of leave you there and and have to sneak off, and, and you have to do this yourself now, which is really scary. Yeah, there was a great actually. Did, have you got the illustrations in your version? Uh, well. Dave, it's, it's, it's the free giant ears version. Of course, I've got the illustrations. <laughs> it's full fat, hundred percent. Well, so it was brilliant on on mine. I was look, I was reading it on 
Kindle, but I was using the Kindle app on my computer, so I had the whole page of text where the BFG goes away, and then you flip to the next one. And there's just this, it's heartbreaking, this picture of Sophie looking big, wide eyes back from the window where she's sitting. Yeah. Just the look on her face, amazing. It was, yeah. there was, there was a sniffle. I don't mind telling you, Matt, there was a sniffle. Yeah, yeah, because this is sort of like, this is the emotional equivalent of the, you know, stabilizers coming off your bike, isn't it? This yeah. is having to yeah. do it everywhere. <laughs> in, 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 uh, well, in what I would assume would be a highly secured facility, although clearly at the time that was not the case. <laughs> uh, so the next chapter is the Queen. She has this bad dream. Um, Sophie's sitting there, like, impatiently, impatiently waiting. Um, hang on a minute, sorry. Not yeah. at all creepily. In, in a similar situation, Matt, Michael Fagan was to be found sitting on the edge of the Queen's bed. Patiently waiting. Patiently waiting. Actually, that was the myth, brilliantly. That was what the, that was what got put out, but he had an interview with him in 2012 and he said, no, she left the room immediately. And I'm like, you, you think? <laughs> <laughs> but I love that the press office in the early 80s was like, no, she dealt with the situation with calm and aplomb. <laughs> So, um, so in this in this version of reality, uh, the um, like Sophie's sitting. She's she's basically sitting in the windowsill. She's behind the curtains which are drawn, so um, so she can't actually see. She can't actually see the queen. She can just hear what's going on in the room, and um, so the maid arrives with the like uh, with some drinks and, and some breakfast in bed because that's what you get if you're the queen, and the newspaper, and. Sophie's been scooped by the newspaper because the newspaper's got reports of all these children that have gone missing in the night. <laughs> um, which is a bit annoying for her. Fleet Street, Matt. Fleet Street. Yeah. The glory days of Fleet Street. So this would be the sort of BBC News Channel beyond now, wouldn't it? This uh, yeah. These days. She'd be like, oh. <laughs> Sophie's just about to open her mouth and then the Queen's phone just goes, dun, 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 and it's a like, breaking news. <laughs> BBC breaking news push notification. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that headline though? Can you imagine twelve giant. children eaten by giants. <laughs> I mean, at what point do you have to put the words "no seriously" in the headline itself? <laughs> That's been great. <laughs> twelve children Chaos eaten by giants. London. Please read more. We're not joking about this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um. But anyway, this dream prophecy works because um, obviously the queen wakes up, says, "I've had this terrible dream." Then she sees Sophie. Uh, the maid is is just going nuts. She can't handle it. Um, the, to, to be honest, the funny thing with this chapter is there's the queen and Sophie and the BFG, and then there's just a procession of other characters who just sort of can't handle the situation just to make it clear just how unique the queen is in being able to handle the situation <laughs> I, I love that there is something really lovely about this sort of this complete uh determination to treat the queen as a sort of preternaturally calm supernaturally amazing human being mm. just by having like at one point isn't it the gardener walks past it says yeah. something like the gardener walked past looked up gave a strangled cry and fainted dead <laughs> Nobody noticed. <laughs> Nobody gave a single shit about that man and his inability to deal with unusual circumstances. He just wanted to do some weeding, Dave. That's all he wanted. <laughs> that's, that's all he wanted to do. And then there were giants 
and the queen dealing with things with remarkable calm. Yeah. He didn't sign up for it. Yeah. So the mayor's going nuts, especially when the when the uh, when the giant turns up. The gardener faints. The queen just deals with it. She's a little bit worried that she's going mad, but she sort of deals with that as well. And you know, we have some experience in that area with uh, past kings and queens in, 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 Great, in <laughs> Great Britain. That's true. So. Yeah, that's that's yeah. true. You must. It must be a weird job to have, mustn't it? Sort of knowing mm. that you are by quite some distance the most evidently put together and rational of any of the other people to have held your job and for that to be a matter of clear historical record (laughs) could be charles the first probably not great probably not great there could be george the third yeah i realize for our american listeners these names mean nothing mental is what they were they were mental george the third will be one they come across because he was the guy who lost the u.s wasn't he Oh yeah, so George, George III, actually the most amazing thing, American listeners, about George III is not that he went, oh well we don't need those colonies anyway, although that was a fairly major misstep. That's very much our, our that's the British view of the American <laughs> world. <of independence. laughs> we wait. There was no war, by the it. way. <laughs> God, I've opened up a can of worms here, haven't I? Anyway. But no, actually the most amazing thing is that he was crazy. I mean, he was like, he was like, Captain Blackadder in the last episode of Blackadder Goes Forth, pants on the head, pencils up the nose, like mm. like he honestly believed himself to be a rose bush at one point, I think. <laughs> Maybe I got that from Blackadder as well. Point is, point is, the Queen, in dealing with this calmly, is uh, she's, she's breaking the curve for British monarchs yeah. and rational behaviour, worth saying. Yeah. Um, she uh, deals with sudden surprises and shocks in the way that you know, many of us British people would by uh, an offer of breakfast. Uh, she offers the <laughs> tea. <laughs> yeah, tea. She offers the BFG a non snozcumber breakfast, basically. And yeah. he's intrigued, isn't he? He is intrigued to the point where I note with interest that he never asks what might go into these sausages and bacon <laughs> of which they yeah. speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll come to his gleeful, shovel-sized disposal of his humanitarian, pro-vegetarian beliefs. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, now we we now meet the the royal butler, the sort of head of the royal household, um, who is described quite brilliantly. A man does not rise to become the queen's butler unless he is gifted with extraordinary ingenuity, adaptability, versatility, dexterity, cunning, sophistication, sagacity, discretion, and a host of other talents that neither you or I possess. So this guy gets quite the introduction. He does, doesn't he? He gets the and full thesaurus he... treatment. Yeah, and how does he? Uh, how does he manage to, to to be all those things? Glass of ale in the morning. So I love he's that. A, is a is a pre lunchtime drinker, <laughs> he's, so maybe he's, a he's not altogether. <laughs> maybe it's not altogether as maybe we're led to believe. <laughs> Doesn't it even say his morning glass of light ale? Like you can almost hear <laughs> the excuse in it, can't you? His wife going, "Oh come on now, Mister Butler, you mustn't drink before noon." Shut up, woman! I can deal with it. Perhaps we get through the morning, in case giant should turn up or something. Anyway, it's only a light ale. <laughs> it's like that um, the John Malkovich character in uh, in Burn After Reading who waits until exactly five o'clock before downing a massive slug of gin and then another one of whiskey. <laughs> I, I'm fine with it. I'm just completely under control. Is it? 
Yeah. So this uh, this this butler. I mean, he he does um, of all these. He's probably the the second uh, best person at dealing with what sort of this the arrival of this giant. He puts together all this weird palace furniture, so he can, so the BFG can sit down on this makeshift <laughs> chair. Um, it was great, great kids writing that, wasn't it? Because because yeah. there was I, I realized about halfway through the 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 account of the fact that they he was like right well we, okay we need to put a chest of drawers on top of a grand piano, and a ping pong table on top of a bunch of grandfather clocks. About halfway through that, I was like, no, that would fall off. And then it was like the whole the whole of my like childhood heart just turned round looked me back in the face and went stop being such a fucking grown up <laughs> yeah I quite liked um, the food's knife and fork they get a garden fork and they get the great sword that chopped the head off King Charles the first and they, they had to clean it because there's still blood on it <laughs> <laughs> you want a better metaphor for the fact that Great Britain isn't terribly good at dealing with its history is that <laughs> brilliant Brilliant. Yeah. Now they get all this stuff ready for him. The BFG walks in, promptly walks straight into the chandelier and smashes it. Um, <laughs> face plant into the chandelier. Um, Hashtag epic fail. Yeah, it made me think this. This is why kids love the BFG so much, though, because it's like he's a um, massive, like, protector adult figure. But also with the brain of a child, so it's sort of <laughs> yeah. so so Sophie's the brains of the operation, you know. So <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true, isn't it? And and well, and I love that he's this big, very powerful character who doesn't know about manners, and it seems to be doing him perfectly well. Thanks very much. You yeah. know, that's a that's a wish fulfillment thing for kids, isn't it? Say please, say thank you. Yeah, he doesn't know yeah. how to say please and thank you. Yeah. Um, Sophie is given a nice new dress and a brooch to wear. Um, that may be important later on. Uh, the spoilers. <laughs> the butler suddenly realizes how on earth he's going to serve breakfast with a giant's so so high above him sitting down. So he gets his these step ladders out and he's sort of. <laughs> to be honest, he can take his drink because he doesn't fall. He climbs. His, <laughs> <laughs> he climbs the step ladders up and down again and again with all this stuff, carrying all this stuff. And uh, it's funny, even the quick. He's obviously. This butler, a bit of a dick, but everyone like admires him regardless because he's so talented. Because <laughs> it says even the queen looks like she's secretly hoping he's going to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but uh, Dal writes, but good butlers never crash. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I do like the image though of a bunch of people sitting around an extremely uneven set of of kitchen tables of, of uh, breakfast tables in uh, in Buckingham Palace going. Can it go on, son? Go on, just just topple over. Go on, wipe out. Do it for me. Do it for me. <laughs> yeah, and I can I can imagine him going up there, having a little wobble as he turns, and then coming back down, and everyone gasp him, and then coming back down, and he just sort of wags his finger at them and just winks. <laughs> like oh no, 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 no! It, it would be that, wouldn't it? But it would be the butler equivalent of a wagged finger. Which would be a millimetrically raised eyebrow and slight <laughs> smirk. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the BFG tucks into his sausages and bacon, which he loves, as you say. No one has the heart to tell him what's gone into those. Um, so he thoroughly enjoys them. Um, he asks for some frob scuttle, but obviously they don't have any. They just have coffee, which he doesn't like. We then move into the whiz-popping section. Um, a long conversation about farting. 
which culminates in the BFG farting in front of the Queen in the middle of Buckingham Palace. And I think, were I to have read this when I was a child, at this moment I would have thought, well, I may as well just die now because life is not going to get any better than this. This is the peak. (laughs) I'm reading about a giant farting in front of the Queen. (laughs) This is the greatest day of my life. Yeah, that's true. You know how to play to the audience, didn't he? Roll doll. <laughs> yeah, so there's that. I mean, and this is the... Everyone's shocked, but the Queen, of course, is sort of... Suppresses a smile and says, Come on, let's not, let's not do that again. <laughs> Good um, on you, Mum. Good on you. Yeah. So the BFG has his big breakfast. He eats 72 eggs in what will become known as the Massacre of the Embryos. Um, <laughs> 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 the vegetarian BFG. Yeah, I was going to say that. There is literally not one part of this, break, apart from the toast, which doesn't involve the death of something with a face. And it's just like, oh, lovely, yeah, great, wonderful. What was the food he was turning away in, in giant country? So it was his objection and his long moral discursus on not eating things that have feelings, basically based on don't eat things that are protagonists in this story. <laughs> Everything else is fine. Yeah, yeah. So then we'll get on to business. Uh, the Queen, obviously, is aware that a lot of her subjects have been eaten. She calls Sweden. The Swedish king says, yep, it's going on here as well. She calls Baghdad, which is weird. And, and it, the Sultan is remarkably direct. He basically says, it's, it's awful here. We, before we even get into giants, it's awful here. We keep chopping people's heads off. You're like, okay. And it's, it's, it's all gone a bit sort of... Hurt Locker, hasn't it? That's, that's <laughs> Afghanistan. It's like well, Green Zone. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I looked this up and rather marvellously. Um, Saddam Hussein, who, as we all know, was overthrown in 2003, um, was actually in, in position in uh, as president pro tempore for life, ultimate supreme leader with gold plating and chips on the side in Iraq hmm. from 1979. Yeah. So, <laughs> so more realistically, it would have been ringing Saddam Hussein and he picks him up and Donald Rumsfeld's there in the background doing a deal with him. Hello? Yes, of course we killed everybody. Of course. Of course I'm Saddam Hussein, of course. <laughs> Hangs up. Like, yeah. Probably for the best that it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what's um, what's going on with that little call. But anyway, I think it was just, no, no. just a bit of extra texture. Well, Go no, on. i tell you what it is. I, well, it's first, first of all, it's because there's a pun to be made. Hmm. They said they were going to go to Baghdad, where they were going to bag the dad, the mum, and the ten oh, yeah. children. Oh, yeah, no, that was pretty good, actually. Zing, right. <laughs> as, with, as with we're going to Sweden, because we like Sweden sour food. Yeah, yeah. Bit more of a stretch, that one, I feel. <laughs> um, but um, Roald Dahl um, was in the Air Force yeah. and actually like flew planes over Baghdad. So I think he's just working out a few grudges here. I think he's just, I think he's just in this position where he's like, well, where did I really hate bag, bag fucking dad? Right, they're going in as a bunch of murderous psychopaths, and no mistake. I'm not saying I applaud this. Um, I will, however, also say that um, I think uh, his, his wartime experiences are the reason why the Royal Navy don't get a single look in later on in this book, and the <laughs> Army and the Air Force are all over it. <laughs> yeah, or well, we move on to that with the plan. So um, the uh, the army, uh, the head of the army, turns up to give give his report about what's been going on around the world, 
and he's saying, you know, um, he's saying all these things that are happening, and the BFG keeps jumping in, um, <laughs> and he's like going back to the, the this thing that we had ages ago with the they go to Greece because the, it's greasy food, and they go to uh, Panama because there's a hatty taste and all this. Um, so the armies are saying, you know, oh, loads of people have gone missing in Panama, and the BFG's like, well, hatty taste. And uh, and yeah, the, the the New Zealand apparently a lot of people in Wellington have been eating for the booty flavour. <laughs> just in the background, the boot- Oh fuck, Matt! I only just got that now as well. The booty flavour, jeez, Roald Dahl's ahead of the curve there again. True, truly, Wellington was too bootylicious for those giants. Yeah, the giants should have said, if "We're going to Wellington. We're going to make a booty call." You know what I mean? I do. I would have liked that. But I sense I sense at this point in our lives we are quite far outside the target audience for this book. Yeah, true. Uh, so here comes the um, the next stop. This, this, here comes the shock. So the army say, right, we're going to have to deal with these giants. And the BFG says, I can show you where they are. Great. How are we going to deal with them? Are we going to carpet bomb them? Are we going to machine gun them? And the Queen's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not into murder, Okay. Hey. The head of head of the army just goes. Hmm? <laughs> We're not not killing people. <laughs> what is this of which you speak? <laughs> and imagine the head of the army must have just thought, I, I, "I'm oh, we're through the looking glass now." I'm the head of the army. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so the thing is that the the queen is the head of the armed forces. So the yeah. actual like the major general, whatever it is, general sir, whoever. The head of the the head of the army in this must be thinking this is why we don't come and talk to the queen about operations because <laughs> she keeps telling us not to kill people and we're the army which is yeah so the the alternative plan is get them while they're sleeping so um, sneak up to them tie them all up and then sort of put them in captivity uh, the BFG then dresses down the heads of the army and air force which is a uh, a moment for him just to again it's just um a little cheer cheer moment for the bfg isn't it yeah yeah absolutely um, I, I like how much how much the the next several pages of this book are just about these incredibly pompous military commanders from the british armed forces being owned by a guy who can't even pronounce the word ridiculous uh we then move on to the uh chapter called capture so the bfg is running over in broad daylight with the helicopters around him um, this is great. So there's one of the helicopter. The lead helicopter has got the head of the air force in it, and he's flicking through an atlas as they're flying along behind the giant. And the giant runs off the last page of the atlas, effectively, <laughs> and he's like, "We're off the page of the atlas." And uh, and then they say, "He's onto the blank page at the back." And Rodal's <laughs> like. That's why they have a couple of blank pages at the back of every atlas. That's for the the areas they haven't found yet, which I thought was a fantastic idea. I love that. There's such a it's such a lovely little sort of magical idea, isn't it? It's like there's blank pages in there. Just draw it in when you find it. <laughs> which atlases really work that way these days. I also like the idea of the, the head of the air force sitting in the back of the of a helicopter with an atlas over his legs because that's the best navigational device he's got. Absolutely losing his shit. Where the fuck even are we? Where do, this is this is very untoward. This is not according to protocol. <laughs> I like the fact that he's got this junior pilot next to him, and the head of the air force says. 
this is ridiculous. We've got to turn around. And the junior pilot, rather than going, yes, sir, right away, said, ah, I'll be fine. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> and he listens to him. That's yeah. what I love about this. That junior pilot officer is having the best day of his entire career, which is fortunate because it is also the last day of his entire career. <laughs> yeah, so they get to the land of the giants. They hear the sound of the giants snoring. They creep up, and this is quite... This is quite good that Rodell says, you know, you got to give it to the Brits here. They were very brave. They crept up, managed to get eight of the giants caught, like, tied up. But then the flesh lump eater, he's sleeping on his arm, Dave. And when when the army try and pull his arm out, he uh, he sort of starts to wake up. And he says, basically, manhugger, is that you again? <laughs> Sounds like Manhugger's got form for this. (laughs) 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 Well, I I I do not wish to trade in generalities here, but Roald Dahl was a public school boy. Um, so I, one begins to understand. I just love the idea, though, that Manhugger is, is just sort of... He just really likes his mates. He's just deeply in a bromance with, with Meechie or whichever one this is. And he's just like, look, I've told you a hundred times, all right? Uh, one hug a day. That's all you're getting. Okay, no, no more, Manhugger. No more of that. All right, just yeah. one, one hug a day. And no, sneaking it while I'm asleep doesn't count, all right? He's like, I can't help it. I'm, I'm a cuddly sleeper. I don't even I'm know I'm just... doing it. <laughs> <laughs> is that that awkward conversation isn't it first time any you go camping with any mates somebody somebody needs to be honest about whether or not they're going to wet themselves in the middle of the night sort of thing if you're a kid somebody needs to be honest about exactly how much they snore i'll cop for that i am the person in that role usually <laughs> <laughs> but then but then it's even worse if somebody's somebody's a sleep hugger no no not acceptable not acceptable yeah. so the flesh lump eater wakes up he picks up a soldier and he's about to eat him. And then Sophie runs for all the other, all the sort of army are just frozen in shock. I think they've not got any weapons either. Because um, the Queen told him not to. Yeah. So um, Sophie goes running in with a brooch, her brooch, and she pokes him in the ankle. And then they sort of, he feels it, the giant roars in pain. And the BFG tells him it's a snake bite. So basically get him, get him to sort of put his feet off the ground and his hands off the ground so they can tie him up um, and manage to do it. So it's a bit of a bit of a sneaky way to get this last giant in the bag. What do you think? There you go. There you see, you can't put a price on that sort of strategic thinking. Hmm. Although I am, I am minded to ask, how did she learn to think that way whilst living in an orphanage? I think <laughs> questions must be asked. <laughs> yeah, so they carry off the giants with the helicopters and then they dig a massive hole in England and just drop them in that and feed them only snozcumbers for the rest of their lives. Doesn't appear to be a great deal of rehabilitation or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, there's not. No, we're not murderers, but we will incarcerate people without end and feed them only horrible food because, you know, we're not saints over here. <laughs> I was so that, by, congratulations, Matt. By the way, I had a private bet with myself that you were going to say. So they dig a massive hole, fill it with these really, really angry, ugly people, feed them snozcumbers, and that's where Birmingham came from. Oh, and speak, oh. And 
But but doesn't it tell you something about what Brummies are actually like? Speaking as a Brummie, that I thought of that joke before anybody else cracked it out. <laughs> oh dear! Well, congratulations! Oh yeah. you're, you're more well natured than I am. So that so that so that's what happens to the Giants. Um, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's quite old school, this book, isn't it? In that you have the bad guys and just yeah. horrible stuff happens to the bad guys because they're bad. And that's and, good. And that's good. Because yeah. it's, I think, um, more modern children's stories that wouldn't tell a story like this, would they? They're normally about people becoming friends at the end of it. Or like the, one of the giants was, you know, one of the other giants had a change of heart or something. There's no, well, there's no character development. Sure about that. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not an expert on kids' literature, but I feel like I, I think I think there's still quite a lot of redemptive violence in most in most stories. You know, somebody's somebody's got to die. Mm. If, yeah, if the, yeah. the bad guy's got to die, it's just that they die harder. So this is fairly easy. You turn up, you tie him up, and you chuck him in a hole in the ground. <laughs> um, whereas in other books, it's like, oh no, I can't believe he's still surviving. I can't believe we're going to need to go and get the other three plot devices in order to bring them together and bring a solution to this situation <laughs> yeah i suppose you're right there was you a, know what i mean yeah but um no, I, just, I just thought it, yeah it's quite interesting that i suppose it's the fact that there is no guy who changes sizes the bad guys stay bad the good guys stay good and it's simple as that and it's just yeah it, that's it, sometimes it works yeah. isn't it that kind of simple tale though um yeah the final chapter is the author um yeah <laughs> i quite like this because uh, Great Britain has captured all the giants and saved the world, everybody loves Britain now. It's kind. Of, this is kind <laughs> is of like. Is that what it took? That's what it took. This this made me think of this is like like the, our version of the film Independence Day, where America saves the world <laughs> yeah, and everybody yeah, loves America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with that horrible scene where the British army are just sitting in the desert waiting for the Americans to tell them what to do. Yeah. <laughs> About bloody time. What's the plan? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so so that so that's happened for the this is this is the great moment for the uh for the British army to shine. Um by digging a hole in the ground and not shooting anybody. They must be mortified. <laughs> I bet the next get together of major military top brass between the US and the UK they're all like, How's it going guys? Dug any more holes recently? Failed to kill yeah. any massive threats recently? <laughs> They get they get all these tributes from people around the world, um, including some jerseys from Jersey. He, just won't, he won't let he won't let this go. Will he? He, he loves it. I bet he, I bet this the thing is that he came up with these first and then went right. I've got to write a book around these. Obviously, yeah, exactly. Uh, the BFG gets a massive house uh, out of it, and he he becomes the uh, the if if. <laughs> He becomes the royal dream blower. I promised I wouldn't do this this time. He becomes the he becomes the royal dream, dream blower. You can do it, Matt. I believe you. I don't, I don't know why it's it's not even it's only funny because it was funny last week. This now yes. it's in itself. It's not but that the funny. The thing is, Matt, it is funny, and now you need to get through it without as if it's not yeah. funny. Do it. Yeah. I believe in you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've got to put that to one side. Oh, you can't, I can't believe you're sidestepping the challenge. <laughs> where I'm, I'm genuinely scandalised. This is not what Shark Liver Oil stands for. Uh, no, because we've got to get onto the zoo. So, so they basically oh, oh, turn. Oh, we have. The, all right. Okay, yeah, fair we have. Right, <laughs> they, 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 t- they basically turn this hole into a bit of a zoo. So loads of people come from around the world, basically to enjoy uh, the giants. Suffering because they 
the, the most popular times feeding time where they chuck a lot of snozcumbers down and the giants all howl in agony and misery and everybody cheers. <laughs> it's <really> horrible. <laughs> Kicking them while they're down. Uh, they yep. just turn up for a gloat. Um, <laughs> Can we come in for a gloat, they say. <laughs> Apart from this one time where um, a few drunk blokes sort of snuck in and fell into the hole and the giants were delighted and got some sort of tasty humans to eat. Um, oh, that's it. That's 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 such an English thing to happen at the end of, of a, a storybook, isn't it? Like, what other nation in the world would have a, a hilarious coda which involves people getting drunk and being eaten by the bad guys? <laughs> like, just for laughs, just because it's funny, because you shouldn't have got drunk, you silly bastard. <laughs> yeah so that happens so then they put some signs up saying don't come in if you're drunk basically and that seems to fix the problem um, the, surprising the beer... in Great Britain I would have thought that would have raised the level of people coming in when drunk just to prove yeah. the sign wrong yeah uh, the BFG meanwhile um, reads the rest of the entire works of Charles Dickens learns to write becomes a writer writes his first book and here comes the twist you're only reading it. Hey! Brilliant. What do you think about that? I thought that was great, actually, at the end. I, I thought that was lovely, and it, it only became more lovely when I realised that... Um, do you know the, the um, I don't know, actress, model, TV personality, whether Sophie Dahl? Yeah. That's Roald Dahl's granddaughter, and it was written yeah. for her. Yeah. How lovely is that? Because he's casting himself as the BFG and her as the, you know, so he's big and shambling and not terribly adept at things and telling her that she's really able to do all this great stuff and that she's, you know, she's the brains of the operation and this whole story about how she can go and talk to the Queen if she wants to. Like, yeah. I just, that's just lovely. Just flipping brilliant. Genuinely heart, heart-touching. Um, particularly um, uh, following a page and a half after the bit about somebody getting drunk and getting eaten alive by giants. Again, very English. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so ends the BFG. Oh, what did you think? Loved it. Loved it. Great stuff. And I still cannot remember if I read this when I was a child and then forgot it, but it was definitely new to me this time. And yeah. couldn't get enough. Could not get yeah. enough. Just, just yeah. really loved it. Notwithstanding the fact that it's clearly from a different age. Right, when it's just, mm. it's okay to have somebody call up Baghdad and be told, yeah, we're all a bunch of horrible, violent savages over here. Yeah, no worries. See you later. You know, and... We can't wait to tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're really proud of it. That's the that's what we open with when you call us. Um, nah, it was... <laughs> it was... So I suppose what I'm saying is, casual racism aside, I thought it was a complete delight. Oh, and the stuff about psychological warfare and... Um, <laughs> Uh, psychoactive drugs also being a fairly good thing, and yeah. So I suppose if you don't think too much about the plot dynamics, it's genuinely heartwarming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now nah, I love, I loved it, and I think it's funny, and I think, I think all all, all kids' books have weird things in them, um, yeah. to be sure. But what did you think? Yeah, I agree. I was, um, I was quite surprised reading it because I was told when I was little, and the reason I didn't read this was I was told that the giant dies in it. Um, so, and I didn't want to read it for that reason. Yeah. Uh, so I was quite surprised that he didn't die <laughs> at the end, which would have been a, um, 
It would have been a shock, actually, because the way the story was going, it didn't really look like it was any real serious peril. But, um, but yeah, I was re- I, re- I really enjoyed it. Uh, Rodar, you know what you're getting with Rodar, aren't you? Loads of weird words, uh, a, a very unusual and colourful uh, entertaining story. And, uh, yeah, he's there's a reason why he's so very popular, isn't there? Very much. Very, very much. Well, we'll, we'll I, I am interested to see how it's adapted for sort of a, a retelling, a modern retelling um, with this film. So we'll take a Me look too. at that next week. Yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and, and also, as we said, we're going to have a look at some other Roald Dahl books, just very briefly, just just a very casual chat about our favourite other Roald Dahl books, and uh, and that'll be next week. Yep. But do please join in with that um, if you've any ones of your own. Sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail dot com. Sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail dot com, or, or we're on Twitter at Sharkliveroyal. We've also done a bit of a, a revamp of the website. If you want to take a look at that, um, what's the what's the address? Sharkliveroyal dot co is it just shotliveroyal.co that's what it is there you go yeah you can tell we're coming back from the summer aren't we where I'm like kind of shotliveroyal.co <laughs> yeah definitely we're so good at promotion we are we're just <laughs> professionals <laughs> okay and yeah if you've any we're going to do some reviews of the book as well next week so if you've any reviews yourself again shotliveroyalpodcast at gmail.com or shotliveroyal on twitter uh, and we'll, we will include, if you send it in, we will include it. That's the Charlotte Liver All guarantee. So, um, so we'll look forward to those. But until then, Dave. Until then, Matt. See you later. Laters.